Philippians chapter 4. And surely this must be one of the most beautiful chapters in the Bible. The Christian life. Philippians chapter 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly loved and longed for my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Iodius and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I treat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding ye have done well that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account." But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God 
shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Verse 13 is our text. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> in Philippians 4, verse 13, we have a staggering statement. We are at the post script of Paul's letter to the Philippian church. He is offering his thanks to the members of the church of Philippi for the gift that they have sent for him while he is sitting there in prison. But he's more anxious to show them and to show others that his sufficiency really is in Christ Jesus. I said it's a staggering statement I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It is a statement that is characterized by a sense of triumph, but also humility. Paul sounds like, first of all, he is boasting. And yet when you and I look at this statement, you that it is one of the most glorious and striking tributes that he has ever spoken about his Lord and his Master. It's a paradoxical statement. It calls us at the same time to rejoice, to make our boast, and yet also to be humble and to be lowly. And that is not a contradiction because... The boast of the Christian, the boast of the Christian is not in himself, but it is in the Lord. Paul was fond of saying this. Let me give a couple examples from his epistles. Galatians 6, verse 14. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 17. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Boasting, but always boasting in Christ. Listen again to him. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengtheneth me? I am strong, or I am made strong for all things in the one who constantly infuses strength into me. 
That would be a good interpretation of our text. I am strong, or I am made strong for all things in the one who constantly infuses strength into me. The Apostle Paul is saying, not that he can do certain things of himself, as if he is the one who is strong in himself, but by this one who infuses strength into him, he is enabled to do certain things. Indeed, he is enabled to do all things. That is the explanation for what he has said earlier in verse 12, that he has learned to be content in whatsoever state he is in, whether he is in poverty or he is abounding, whether he is full or whether he is hungry, whether he is doing well or whether he is suffering, he has learned. That wasn't always the case. That wasn't always the case. But he has learned how to be self-sufficient, independent of circumstances or surroundings, as he's there in the prison in Rome, as he is facing martyrdom, as he is even forsaken by some, or there are others even happy that he's in prison, they're trying to take over his place. He has been instructed how to be content in everything, how to do this. He comes to this by experience, by cultivating a personal, intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ. So in verse 13, we have the ultimate explanation. He says, this secret have I discovered. I am being made strong for all things in the one who is constantly infusing strength into me. He's telling you and me and the believers there in Philippi, that Christ is all sufficient for every circumstance, every eventuality that happens in our life. Do you believe that? Christ is all sufficient. You see, this is a central New Testament doctrine. The Christian life, after all, is a life, it is a power, it is an activity. That's easy to forget. Sometimes we think that Christianity is just knowing some facts from the Bible and hearing sermons about those facts. But even the devil knows what the Bible teaches. He knows about God. The Christian life is not just a philosophy. It is not merely a point of view or just a teaching, it's infinitely more. The essence of a Christian life is a mighty power, a mighty power that enters into us, a life pulsating within us. It is an activity, an activity on the part of God, God working in us. Philippians 1 verse 6 Paul is confident 
that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What is the Christian life? God working in you. Why? Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worked in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Notice, God works in us so that we will, that's the heart, and we do, that's the hands and the feet, his good pleasure. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Paul prays that the Ephesians might know, quote, the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. What power when Jesus stopped the storms in the sea? What power when God raised Jesus up from the dead? What power God works in you and in me? Ephesians 2 verse 10, Paul says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You see, the child of God has received new life. It is the very life of God in the souls of men and women and children. There is an energy, there is a power, there is a life in them that makes them peculiarly and specifically Christian. The Greek word there is one from which we get our English word dynamite or dynamic. This power within. I can do all things. I can do all things. Notice with me the boast made. Notice second of all then the possibility of that boast. And then thirdly, the importance of this confession. What is Paul's boast? I can do all things. Let's start carefully going through this verse. Let's start with that first pronoun, I. Do you notice how personal this text is? The Apostle Paul isn't just talking about others now. He's not just merely talking about those who are giants in the faith. No, the Apostle Paul is speaking of his own life. He's explaining how it is that he has learned to be content in his life wherever he is and whatever circumstances he is undergoing. I. That, beloved, is the language of the elect, believing child of God. That must be the testimony of the child of God in whom the Holy Spirit has been given new life to you and to me. A life from above. We are born again. We are born to new spiritual life. Those then going through all kinds of troubles or trials in their life have this new life within them. 
so that the single person resolves by the God's grace remains pure. That the young person flees fornication. That the single parent is able to struggle with rebellious teenagers in the home. That those going through trials of life, whether it be cancer or the death of a loved one, can find comfort. And where the aged can deal with the infirmities of old age. Beloved, we may never overemphasize this I. That is, I by myself can do this. I am strength. There are those who like to boast of what they themselves contribute to their salvation. They say, I came to Jesus. I opened up my heart for Jesus. I am so strong, I can do it all by myself. Or there are those who are kind of like the Stoic. No matter what happens around me, or no matter what happens in the church, I don't really care. I don't care about those circumstances. I am somehow removed from them, or I am above it. The Stoic, or the Hindu, or the Buddhist say, I, by my yoga, I am able to somehow channel my mind and my power or my energy so that I can Ignore or rise above the terrors or the struggles of life. Theirs is not a life of salvation. It's somehow just trying to get by in this life. So, first of all, don't overemphasize the I. It's not all by myself. But also, there's another error with the other extreme. There are those who tend to obliterate the I. There is their definition of a Christian who can do absolutely nothing, no good work at all. In an article, a Christian is put forward as a mind through whom Christ thinks, a voice through whom Christ speaks, a heart through whom Christ loves, a hand through whom Christ helps. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with all those statements? It's really nonsense, isn't it? Where is the I? It's vanished. It's been obliterated. In other words, it's like the I is no longer present. Then the Christian is a person a man or a woman whose personality has really just gone out of the window, out of existence, while Christ uses that person's various powers and faculties, it's not the Christian using his voice. It's not the Christian using his mind. It's not the Christian who has a heart filled with love and loves God. It's not a Christian any longer that has the hand that does things. That group so emphasizes the believer's total depravity so that he is, they say, unable to do any good. We've heard some of those statements, haven't we? Noah didn't build the ark. God built it. 
David didn't kill Goliath. God did it. They do not emphasize what God has done in the heart and the life of his children, making them new creatures. Galatians 2, verse 20, Paul says, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Is the I there obliterated? Paul says, the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who has loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see, the I is still there. The Christian life, by God's grace, is a life of activity. It's a matter of the heart. We will to do his will. It's a matter of our activity of loving the Lord, believing on the Lord, Serving the Lord, obeying the Lord. So that I is very personal. It's the Apostle Paul. <coughs> May it be the life of each of the Philippian believers. And may it be the I of each one of God's saints here this evening. I. Next part of the phrase. I can do all things, or we can translate it, I am made strong for all things. Strong, able. How often isn't our life at times a life of fear or anxiety or doubt? How often aren't we like Jesus' disciples when they are with Jesus in that storm-tossed boat? And listen as they cry out, Master, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Fear. Paul is sitting in prison. He is surrounded with disappointment, persecution, scorn. There are other pastors even trying to use Paul's arrest for their own advantage. And Paul doesn't really care about that as long as Christ is being preached. But in all of Paul's difficulties, as you read in verse 12, Paul learned to be content in all things. Not merely content, Surely not like a stoic, but the basis of his life, I can do all things. I am made strong whether I'm hungry or I'm full, whether I'm imprisoned or whether I'm free. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul had that thorn in the flesh. He prayed earnestly at three different times in his life that that thorn would be taken away. But God's answer to him was, my grace is sufficient unto thee. God says, my strength is made known in weakness. And what was Paul's beautiful response to that? What is your response when you pray for something and God says, no? No. 
know that loved one of yours isn't going to overcome this cancer. Know that little one that you have is not going to keep on living. Know the job that you have, you're not going to keep. God's answer to Paul was no. He heard Paul. Take away this thorn in the flesh, Lord. I can do much more for you then. No, no, no. My grace is sufficient. My strength, God says, is made known in your weakness. And then Paul's wonderful phrase. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul is boasting. Whatever needs to be done in his Christian life, Paul can do it. I can do all things. When someone heard Paul write that, maybe they thought, or if they could see him in person, they'd say, wait a minute, Paul. What can you do? I can do all things, Paul says. Paul, are you sure you really mean that? I can do all things, he says. What did you mean with that? Paul, are you boasting? Paul, usually you are so humble, and now you are saying you can do all things. So we need to ask this question. I can do all things. Is that the language of boastful presumption? Or is it the language of faith? Remember Peter's boast before Jesus' trial. Even all the other disciples forsake thee, I will never leave thee. That was boastful presumption. Peter didn't know how weak he could be when a simple little maid asks him, aren't you one of those men? Aren't you with him, the master? He was boastful. I can do all things No, that is not the language of a Stoic who shows indifference and really shows hopelessness. These things are going to happen around me. I can't do anything about it. What will be, will be. Thomas was acting that way a little bit, wasn't he? When Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem and he would not relent, Thomas says, Well, let's go with him and we'll die with him. This is not the language of a superhuman being. I can do all things. But it is the language, it is the testimony of the child of God who stands united in Christ Jesus, the conqueror. What a boast. I can do all things. Notice, second of all then, the possibility of that boast. Negatively, let's ask this question. Aren't we supposed to be questioning, or aren't we supposed to be confessing our total depravity? 
In ourselves, we cannot do any good thing. The Apostle Paul in Romans 7, the good that I would, I do not. And that which I would not, that I do, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. In ourselves alone, we are dead in sin. In ourselves alone, we are slaves to evil, and we are powerless. But positively, the Apostle Paul says, I can do all things. I am made strong through the one which strengtheneth me. You see, Paul directed his eyes, and you and I are to direct our eyes to Christ Jesus. Christ is our life. Christ is our strength. Christ is our wisdom. Christ is our deliverance. Christ is our encouragement in life. Our sufficiency, not in ourselves, but is in Christ Jesus. That is a statement, then, of triumph, but also of humility. Without him, we can do nothing. But in Christ Jesus, we are made strong, strong in faith. When we are weak, then we are given God's all-sufficient grace. Because in Christ Jesus and by his Spirit, you and I have been made new creatures. Christ is infusing himself and Christ is infusing his strength in us. Oh, not that we're going to be perfect, not in this world. That old man of sin is still so strong within us that we have to battle against him. Perfect, perfect we will be only when our soul flies home to Christ Jesus at death. And perfect we will be when our bodies are raised again from the, bo- from the grave and made like unto Christ's perfect body. Yes, we are still depraved in ourselves, but not totally depraved. Total depravity means in our minds we cannot think anything good. In our heart there is nothing good. In our voice there can be nothing good. And our hands cannot do anything good. But that's not who we are any longer. Christ infuses himself, his life in us by his spirit. And those who deny that a Christian can do any good are denying the doctrine of regeneration. And they are denying the doctrine of sanctification. As the Heidelberg Catechism puts it so so beautifully, there is a small beginning of obedience in us. You say, well, it's small. Yes, it's small, but be thankful for that. That is God's work in you, and he will continue that good work in you and bring it to completion. Say with the Apostle Paul, It is no longer I who live, but Christ living in me. And again, the person that was questioning Paul might say, so there's two of you now? No, there's one of me, I. 
but Christ living in me. New life, a new creature. A new creature who knows God, who loves God, is strengthened by his God so that he obeys him. I am made strong, Paul is saying, through the one who strengthens me. So ask with me this question then, how does Christ strengthen you? And how does Christ strengthen me? How did Christ strengthen the Apostle Paul? Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. Who was Paul? Paul says it of himself in 1 Timothy 1 verse 13. He was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor. He was injurious to Christians. And then in verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. So how does Christ strengthen us? First of all, by his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ given to us, as we read in Acts 1 verse 8, the power of the Holy Spirit shall come down upon you. Jesus said that to his disciples before he's going to leave them. But also, beloved, that is true for every child of God, everyone that God has chosen and given to Christ Jesus. He promises the power of the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. So it's not I in myself, by myself, but it is I by the Holy Spirit empowering me, dwelling in my heart. Second of all, he empowers us, he strengthens us by his word preached to us what weekly needs we have for that preaching of the Word Sunday morning and Sunday evening. By the preaching, he works faith, but he also strengthens his faith. A lady in my first church, she came to the conclusion she really didn't have to come to church at all because she says, I know all the stories. And so, because I know it all, therefore I can better be sitting having coffee with my neighbor and sharing my faith with her. The dear lady forgot how small our faith and our obedience is. It needs to be strengthened. We need to hear God speaking comfortable words to us, instructing us, admonishing us, training us in godliness. So by his spirit, by his word preached. Thirdly, by the sacraments that are added to the word so that we have not only with our ears hearing the word, but we see that word portrayed on the table, how Jesus is our daily nourishment. And the Christian life is impossible without being nourished daily by Christ Jesus himself. While the word, he works faith and strengthens faith, by the sacrament, he strengthens it. Brought to the eye, 
and to the tongue and to the hand is the very word that we hear in our ears. So by his spirit, by his word, by the sacraments, and fourthly, through the fellowship of fellow believers. No man is an island to stand by himself. We need someone. God saw that in creation. It is not good that the man is alone. I will give him a help fit for him. And for those who are single, that doesn't mean that you're incomplete, but you need others also. You need your own personal family. You need your family of God standing with you. By fellow believers encouraging us when we're going through struggling times. By fellow believers at times warning us of what we're doing, calling us to repentance. By fellow believers in praying for us. One of the beauties of making visits to those who are in the hospital or those who have gone through trials they say there's a real benefit because they see the love and the concern of their fellow believers coming to their rescue, writing letters, praying for them, bringing meals to them. How does Christ strengthen us by his spirit, by the word proclaimed, by the sacraments, and by the fellowship, the communion of the saints? That, beloved, is the testimony of the Christian life. Our strength is proportionate to our faith. Peter loved the Lord, and when the Lord on one of those occasions was coming to him, he got out of the boat and he was walking on water. Beloved, the Christian life is one of Activity and power, living for God's glory, saying no to sin, fleeing sin, saying no to the world's temptations, being able to ward off the darts of the evil one. Oh, how beautiful! How beautiful is this confession of the Apostle Paul. And how beautiful that that is true for every child of God. God. Christ Jesus keeps empowering us to live a life for him, a life of obedience and a life of good works. And why is that important? Your newest standard bearer just came this past week in your mailboxes. Professor Heisinger very well puts out the necessity of good works and obedience. In the way of obedience, and only in the way of obedience, will we enjoy sweet fellowship with God. And in the way of disobedience or rebellion, we will not experience that sweet fellowship with God, but rather we will feel God's wrath and anger and chastisement. David felt all of his bones being broken for they waxed old through their roaring. 
confession of Paul. And may it be your and my confession tonight, you and I who have been strengthened by God this morning in his word and in the sacrament. I am made strong through the one who infuses strength into me. That brings me to my third point, the importance of that confession. Number one, it's a celebration of the grace of God. A grace that we experience in our lives, an all-sufficient grace. While the Apostle Paul was thankful to the Philippians for the gift received, it is God's grace that is magnified. You see, it is God who gave those in Philippi the opportunity to help the Apostle Paul. And it is God who made Paul strong in his trials of his life, humble when great things were being done through him. And it is God's grace that strengthens us so that you and I can fight the good fight and run the race that is set before us. It is the Christ Jesus manifesting himself to us by his Spirit. That's what he promised in John 14, wasn't it? I will manifest myself to you. And he does that by the Spirit and the eye of our soul. Yes, others could see Christ's work in Paul. They could see the work of God in the lives of these Philippian believers. And may others be able to see Christ's work in us and in our children and in his church so that maybe through our lives others may be gained to Christ Jesus. So it's first of all a celebration of God's divine grace. Second of all, it gives us a positive self-image. Not believing in yourself, but believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are we? Are we still totally depraved sinners unable to do any good thing? Why then all the commands and the exhortations and the admonitions in the Scripture to a Christian life? By grace, we are new creatures, created in Christ Jesus unto all good works. By grace, we are children of the light who walk in the light. We are sons and daughters of God reflecting his image. That, beloved, is the beautiful testimony of a child of God who sees himself or sees herself in Christ Jesus living antithetically here in this sinful world, doing good as God enables us to do it. Thirdly, our boast then. The Christian life is difficult. It is hard. And we must expect a cross when we confess Christ Jesus. In other words, the Christian life is not a playground 
of ourselves, we are weak, fickle, sinful. But in Christ Jesus, we are strong. We have in our text a warrior's cry in the heat of battle. That sinful flesh, that tempting world, the devil coming with his darts. I can do all things, or I am made strong through the one who strengthens me. Divine help in all of our conditions and circumstances. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You see, beloved, that is a boast. It's a boast in the Lord, in the cross of Jesus Christ. It's a boast in Christ's Spirit who works and dwells within us. It's a boast of God's Word, which is powerful and sharp, enables you and I to have a lamp to our feet and a light upon our path. Yes, learn from the New Testament what is possible for us in Christ Jesus. What must we do? What is our call now as those who have been fed with God's word, with Christ Jesus himself? We need to go to Christ. We need to spend time with him. We need to meditate upon him and his attributes and his works. We need to get to know him better. That was the Apostle Paul's ambition. He says, oh, that I may know him. It means that we maintain contact and communication with him. It means that I must do exactly what he tells me to do and I must avoid things that would hamper my obedience. And beloved, there's no shortcut in the Christian life. There are no beds of ease that we go floating on. We have to practice the Christian life. We have to live the Christian life in all of its fullness. We must abide in Christ. And that abiding in Christ is not passive, but rather it's doing what he tells you to do and to pray without ceasing. That's an active thing. The strength that is infused into us, if I were going to use a human illustration, would be kind of like a blood transfusion. A person is anemic. Or maybe they have lost a lot of blood in an accident. They quickly need to have a blood transfusion. And that's what, the apostle, that's what Christ was doing to the Apostle Paul. He says, I find that I am very feeble. My energy flags. But this wonderful relationship, Christ infuses life into me. He knows my every state and every condition, what I need Oh, what he gives us. Christ says, my grace is sufficient for thee. And so you and I can say in this coming week as we strive to live for him, when I am weak, then am I made strong because I look away from myself and I look to my Savior and his work in me and for me. The Christian life is an act of life.
knowing Christ, believing in Christ, loving Jesus Christ, living for Christ, living for God's glory. Amen.